and welcome back to yet another episode of the Snug Dan Nerdcast. I'm Kevin, and I've got Danny with me across the table. I had a dream last night that I murdered somebody, and then I went to jail. That's <laughs> <laughs> not where I thought you were going to go with that open. I just remembered it like a few seconds ago because I was talking about killing those children outside by my car. <laughs> Instant watch listed. For real. Um... Yeah, I had a dream I committed murder, and I remember I was sitting there, and they were like, you did it? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> I was, I don't know, it was very, I, and then I remember thinking like, oh my god, did I really do that? And then I woke up, and I was like, fuck, thank god. <laughs> oh my word, well this yeah. episode took a very strange turn right off the bat. That's um, that's definitely getting animated when I uh, start up the TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> oh my word that's gonna be the greatest one yeah how you doing <laughs> i am i'm doing good i'm i mean i'm a little tired but i'm pretty much always tired so that's not really anything new yeah yeah it's kind of the, yeah. the adults are always tired we're always yep, tired pretty much just um, running on running on caffeine pretty much always um i guess i wanted to i'll just start off really quick uh we did get another reply believe, oh yeah uh jason answered uh, the question I posed in the last episode that was really well for everybody listening to this one it'll be the one before the latest episode yeah we're we're uh, archiving one so that yeah. way we're in pretty good shape trying to keep archiving so we're extras from the future. wherever we can hello yeah um <laughs> I mean I guess episode 28 is the we'll one be like I'm way in about. the past had, when this comes out <laughs> I qu- I asked uh what are your thoughts on NFTs making their way into the gaming sphere and Jason once again yeah. the man himself uh replied and said he thinks it's just another money grab for uh trying for re- another revenue stream yeah which, probably uh, you know, I kind of feel the same <laughs> way I'm sure that the I think that's all NFTs can all NFTs crypto that's kind of all it's ever been is like yeah a new way to get some quick cash um Anyway, just wanted to point that out. Thanks again, Jason, for for uh, replying. And hopefully, those questions are engaging for you guys, especially anyone else that ever wants to answer them. Please go ahead. We will read each and every single one, and probably read it off on the cast. So, yep. I gotta say, until it becomes like too many to where we're taking up way too much time on it, absolutely, we'll just read them in the cast. Yeah. Um, so. Other than that, without further ado, Kevin, you want to start us off today? Yeah, I can. I can uh, get us going with my my one my one pretty big one that I've got here. Um, so there's a, a new or at least newer, um, tabletop RPG. That's, uh, either starting to gain some traction or just coming out one of the two, but it got some attention, uh, about a week ago, I think is when this was, let's see, articles from January 21st. So it was a couple weeks ago for us. Um, it, uh, it's a new type of tabletop where uh, the player actually gets to kind of share responsibilities with the DM. Um, so in this, you're only for the most part rolling D6s. Um, and the only time you roll is to kind of, it, it kind of, it steals that mechanic a little bit from, um, like shadow run. I was going to say, this sounds like, very familiar. Yeah, successes and have fails. Have you mentioned this to me before? I have not. This tabletop. Okay. It no. sounds like that whole, that whole spiel you just said sounded so familiar. Like you had told me about it. <laughs> so it's called the questing beast. I actually, I got it. I have the, the manual on my computer. 
Um, so we oh. may end up trying it out sometime once I get all the ins and outs of it figured out. Hell yeah. Um, but, uh, basically what happens is like the DM does his normal thing, his or her normal thing. And then the players actually, anytime they roll, um, dice, it's to see if they get to dictate what happens or the DM gets to dictate what happens. So if it's successful, the player gets to dictate what it is that they're doing. If it's in the middle, then the DM gets to dictate. And if it's complete fail, then the DM dictates with, you know, certain rules that are in the, in the book. Okay. Interesting. Or actually, no, if, if you fail, you have to deliver, sorry, remembering now you have to deliver how you fail, but it has to be, you know, to a certain amount. That's interesting. So, like, you have to purposely make yourself fail. Does the DM approve you, that? Like, like... I'm not 100%. I just kind of, like, skimmed through I would the imagine that's how it would kind of work. like... Yeah, like, the DM... The DM is more of a facilitator than a storyteller. Oh, God. <laughs> on th- yeah, like, it's not so much, like, it's because I say so. It's more of, like, here is what you're doing. Here's where you are. What do you want to do, and how do you want to do it? And you're like, uh, I want to do a backflip over the table. And I'm like, all right, roll using your pool from this thing. All right, cool. Rolls. Gets more successes than, or gets successes, no failures. Perfect. You pass. All right, how do you want to flip over this table? All right, so I'm going to wind up real quick, and I'm going to push off with my left foot and flip backwards, doing a full 360 degree and land on top of the table. Like, I mean, you know, that sounds. it sounds like a a system that is definitely more oriented toward the players who like to play like more so by the book and have like more rules like to follow. It's actually meant for players that like the role play of things more than combat as well to be creative when they want to do something like our group. A lot of times we have people who are just like, yeah, I want to do this. And then, uh, you know, the DM has to kind of, okay, so you jump up in the air and you, DM mm-hmm. has to do that, but it sounds like this is kind of making the player. This one, it it lets basically it gives the player the ability to like dictate their own. So like if they have a picture in their mind and they're like, hey, you know, I want to do this, and the DM's like, all right, so you do da da da. They're like, well, actually, I was kind of thinking it'd be more like this. Like the DM doesn't even get to, well, you da da da. It's you know, you passed. So all right, here's what I had in my head. This is what I do. And so it's, yeah, it's meant to be specifically more for a more role play heavy type, uh, game. Um, but it honestly, it looked really fun and really interesting. So I'm definitely, I want to grab like some of our more creative, uh, in the group that are more willing to kind of like, this is how I want to do it and explain out all the points rather than just like, I smash it group just to (laughs) see like, (laughs) just to see what, what comes of it. That sounds very cool. I, uh. I, I, I enjoy role-playing, like, a mm-hmm. lot. Um, usually whenever I play a D&D game, like, that's kind of... I try to get into it if I can. Yeah. Um, I'm not the most serious about it, but <laughs> I usually try to do a little bit. So, yeah, you know I like to get into my character. Yeah, yeah I mean, <laughs> you're... Well, that's one thing I can always count on with you, is, like, you're always someone who is so into their character that you can you can say and do pretty much anything outside of the game, and you're and you'll always be very consistent, which is... 
honestly part of the part of the reason I think the game works so well is because you're doing that. Tell you the truth, I, I do my best normally. not to medicate. Like that was literally when I kind of like half zoned out in the session this last Tuesday. It was because I was you were like sorting shit that everything. You probably shouldn't. <laughs> I was sorting things in my head, going, "What do I actually know as Garth, and what do I know as Kevin?" And I'm like sifting, like, "Okay, so this Garth knows, and that Garth knows, and that Garth is aware of." But this stuff is all stuff that I've heard above table, so I wasn't there for that. I can't use anything that would. <laughs> and I'm like trying to break it down in my head. Through. Yeah, that I was very happy. Like, I'm, that's yeah. always just a saving grace for the campaign. Like, it, it makes things a lot easier for me because I, because we already have a couple of people I have to manage. Yep, <laughs> with that kind of thing. And that's yeah. I I I also like I don't I don't like meta gaming. Meta gaming's really annoying to me. Like, there are certain aspects of it that are like, yeah, okay. Like, you know, when we're, when you roll on the table, you're like, all right, yeah, I rolled a 16. You're like, that hits. And then the next person's like, I rolled a 15. Oh, that, that misses. Like, okay, so 16's the AC. Yeah, like, and then you just put it together. It's, yeah. it, because that doesn't really, like, it doesn't stop, like, change doesn't the way the your game goes. Yeah, like, you're yeah. still going to do the thing. It's just, it makes it a little bit easier on the DM at that point because they're like, okay, yeah, if I, we know what hits like, and what doesn't. Roll, oh, yeah, it's a 16. That's going to hit. Cool. Let me roll damage. Yeah. Instead yeah, of being exactly. like, does a 12 hit like no that doesn't hit 15 missed come on um but uh i was gonna say something now it's gone whatever yeah. <laughs> but but yeah that's um kind of discovering that it was one of those i saw the like article that popped up so let me actually so that we can give um so it's on uh cbr.com um on January 21st, they released an article that says the questing beast is perfect for D&D groups who love role playing um, and just kind of like talks a little bit about it. I actually went and got the PDF for it so that way I could look through it. Um, there's a bunch of stuff. So like basically you actually create your character. I forgot. I totally skipped over this bit. I was just talking mechanics. But when you create your character, you actually like write a backstory about it. And then based on things that you wrote in your backstory, you and your DM work together to like pull abilities that would come from that. So rather than like kind of what I did, with here's uh, your block of uh, like character idea. Like here's your block of options for the character. It's like write a story. Here's stuff that you can get. This is what will be suited to stuff that that can fit into that so yeah. like you know if you've got a story that's like oh i was a commander of an army for da 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 like okay maybe you've got like leadership skills maybe you've got you or know Lord feet or something um, like that. Yeah, yeah you've got like some sort of you know ability with weapons boom you know stuff like that yeah okay yeah and so it kind of like it kind of lets you and then the uh the backstory is called their their romance um a lot of the terms in it are very similar to um uh, like shakespearean terms um kind of regarding what different aspects of the character creation and stuff are okay um oh i also forgot to mention it's uh based in uh knights of the round table setting okay yeah like king cool. arthur like ever oh, the whole thing is you know king arthur da, 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 and then you know how there's like many different iterations of like the knights of the round called? table and, uh uh renaissance well i well yeah i guess Ish. renaissance but i'm thinking uh dark Dark, dark, dark ages. Dark ages. That's what it is, right? Yeah, that's like the yeah, dark ages, yeah. kind of medieval. <laughs> the Renaissance men are coming to town. That's a joke and smiling friends. <laughs> he, Charlie pulls up an article. He's like, it says the Renaissance men are coming to town. Pim's like, what are the Renaissance men? He's like, 
I don't know, man. I'm just reading the article. I'm just telling you what I'm reading. The Renaissance men are coming to town. And then they come to the town at the end of the episode. And he's like, that's not Renaissance. He's like, look, I was just telling you what I was reading. There they are. <laughs> it's, um, it's really funny. Yeah, sorry, sorry. It's medieval is what I was thinking of. Um, oh, yeah, that too. Not Renaissance. but um, Yeah, medieval. I was going to say Renaissance. I don't even know what Renaissance technically even. That's just art, isn't it? I thought Renaissance is like age of art. I think so. it would have been like Shakespeare era. Um, right. Oh yeah, which, yeah, that's why I went Renaissance. That's ah, see, why yeah. my brain went there because I was like, yeah, it's a bunch of Shakespearean type terms, and I was like, yeah. Um, um, but yeah, so it's basically like for your setting, you actually like you all kind of see what story of King Arthur everybody is most familiar with, mm-hmm. and then that's the like baseline that you use for the setting, and then you go from there. Okay, that's and then, cool. So, so like, it could be so King Arthur exists. Yeah. <laughs> That's um, cool. So, like, it could be, like, the sword and the stone from, you know, Disney. It could be, like, you know, the old writing stuff. Actual, it could be, yeah. like, the TV show Merlin. Okay. just depends on, you know, what everybody's most familiar with. That sounds pretty interesting. I... You have to have a whole bunch of... I feel like... Not a whole bunch, obviously. Like, probably two or three people, but... I feel like I feel like a group of creative people can be kind of hard to find sometimes. Like you have to find some people who are really comfortable with doing that extra role play and kind yeah. of cuz I can think of a few people that we know that like just uh, they're great at playing D&D. I just when it comes to role playing, they just need like more nudges and help than than some others. Yeah. Um but, you know, I mean but like like Leif, I think Leif would be really that was into he's that, one yeah. of the first people that came to mind. I was yeah. like, Leif I think would be Leif super could definitely into, like, do this really game. He's really good at at role playing and getting into the character. Hell yeah, that's pretty so, cool, man. But yeah, I think I think it'd be a lot of fun to play. Um, looking over everything for it, um, I want to learn the ins and outs a little bit better. But um, create a uh, channel on your Discord for it. I we have it. a we have a role play D and D Discord that we have for our yeah. friend group. Yeah, we have like a whole a whole deal for like all of our in person at home games, and just like all of our communication throughout. So, yep. um, is that's cool. cool. Was there anything more about it? Um, that was it. Uh, I was able to get it, so it was like a, a pay what you want kind of deal on it for now on uh, drive through RPG. dot com. Um, so it was yeah, relatively cheap. Um, because it's a pay you what you want. Um, but it's, I mean, it's, it, it looks really good. I'm very excited to kind of like dive into it further and possibly run like a one shot or something using it just to see how it goes. Yeah, I would, I would be very down for like a one shot. That sounds really cool. Say it was, so it's, let me pull up. I'll, What's it called again? Yeah. It's called the questing beast. The questing beast. Um, oh, my bad. So the game setting here, here we go. The game setting is Arthurian with anthropomorphic animals, similar to Disney's Robin hood character creation oh, works based on a writing system. We're talking B stars over here. Yeah. I Sorry. I totally missed that bit when I was talking through it. Okay. Gotcha. So, um, um you know, anthropomorphic fans, that's, uh, there you go. That's something. Which, I mean, it's, it's still, like, uh, Anthropomorphic's cool. cool. I kind of like yeah. the setting. Um, I'm trying to find... It was in here. It was written um, who the... This is why I have my notes was. written, Kevin. I know, <laughs> I know. Just I just pulled up the article. <laughs> um, so it's by... Uh, 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 come on, where is it? Oh, here we go. Developed by James V. West of Random Order Creations. Um, it's a modified version of an earlier system of his known as the pool. 
Okay. Um, <laughs> Never heard I of it. I didn't but... look into the pool very much. Um, but basically the point of calling it the pool was because like for each of these roles that you would do for these checks in the questing beast and I'm a, I believe in the pool, you have, you know, a pool of dice that you're able to pull from to do. Oh, okay. Hence the pool. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, um, never heard of him. I was about to ask like what he's known for, but that's, that's the only like thing that they had mentioned him about was the pool, his previous, uh, system. Okay. So it doesn't sound like he's, he's like been part of wizard of the coast or, or, um, pathfinder or anything like that. Not as far he's as I know. Played him, but, <laughs> um, interesting. So he made, I hear it's, it's really tough to make your own game. That's, um, I'll I'll be curious to see how similar it is to D and D and other tabletops because it that's such a daunting task and most of the time they'll have kind of this universal skeleton that you mm-hmm. use so I'll be curious to see but I'm very down to play it yep um, and I know several people who would also be down I say depending on how it goes you know that we could possibly even add that to a list of possible later you know. Yeah, record well, and place up for <laughs> I thought Joseph was really good at role playing too when he played with us he, he was really good at like spontaneously jumping into his character when we asked him a question or something yeah he he didn't used to be I'll give it like for real like he's <laughs> he's grown a lot in that area like when he first started out it was it was rough like the DM could sit there and like try to nudge him with these cool role play opportunities and he just miss everything oh really but yeah, i thought like, he did great in, uh, yeah he's gotten a lot better with him. so he's, he's yeah cool um so the, so i'm wondering if i should talk about this one yet or not because we might share it okay. if i say one word it, it might it's probably gonna get with sony oh any news on them maybe? i i didn't look into it but i did hear that they acquired yeah, then somebody I'll, yeah. then i'll talk about it um because <laughs> it's it's pretty big yeah so uh, probably everybody who's listening to this now, this is going to be kind of old news, but it's new and we're reading it. It should still be kind of hopping by the time. It'll, this yeah, guy it'll comes still out. be fairly relevant because we're all, it'll only be like two weeks behind. Yeah, exactly. Um, so this week, I think it was this week. It was either this week or last week. Uh, Sony bought out Bungie for six point three billion dollars. Oh, yeah. Um, and for those who don't know, Bungie is the company behind the games Destiny and Halo. Um, so Microsoft took, (laughs) Microsoft took Sony's Activision. Yeah. yeah. Microsoft took Spyro and crash. It looks like Sony will take Halo and destiny. I guess (laughs) I don't think that they're going to go exclusive to be. Yeah. I don't think they're going to go exclusive. What this Um, does mean, I think is that Halo infinite players will probably be getting a PlayStation release. I, that I would see happening. I a hundred percent. The only thing that I could see that really changes in that. Um, as far as like game distribution goes, there, there's a lot, there's, there's some that'll like come back to that. Even, um, Sony, Sony talked a lot about it actually for really? a company that just bought them. Yeah. They were pretty transparent. And, uh, that's some one of these thing things... I've always admired about Sony is when it comes to their gaming stuff, they've always been super transparent. Like yeah, thank you. when yeah. the, when the PlayStation four and the Xbox one both came out that Christmas or like end of the year, they wanted like numbers and figures in an interview with both people from Microsoft and people from Sony. And Sony was like, here's what we sold. Here's what we were looking for. Here's where we missed. Here's where we succeeded. Here's where we did it. And gave a bunch of numbers. And Xbox was like, we sold some systems. Yeah, yeah, they're <laughs> I, they're, they're like, so what does that mean? Like, did you meet any goals? Is your like, is your sales better or worse than PlayStation? What's <laughs> what's going on? Like, and they're like, hey, we sold some systems. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, thank you for saying that because uh, Sony 
that's one thing I do admire about the company, and you don't get that from big companies now. I mean, Sony's mm-hmm. massive, massive. They sell tech, they sell software, they sell, um, they sell like appliances, TVs, even I think refrigerators even now or something like that, musical devices. Probably, they sell yeah. a whole myriad of stuff. But mm-hmm. Sony, the gaming company, has always been very transparent, very aware. I think is what I say in my notes. I think I, I think that, oh, they're in touch. That's what I say. In touch, yeah. Sony's but, yeah. always been incredibly in touch with what works and what doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Microsoft, no, not 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 even close. Um. So anyway, so what's cool about this? This is what's cool about the the buyout from Sony. Sony bought out Bungie for six point three million dollar billion dollars. Sorry, not million. Dang. One point two billion. About thirty percent of that. Mm-hmm. I think that's thirty percent. Yeah, yeah, that's about thirty percent. One point two billion of that was spent to retain current Bungie employees. Good, dude. So that there would be no layoffs, no firings, nothing. Hell yeah! I was like, damn, Sony, and um, See, everybody that's... was saying like, that's a huge. Like most of the time, when companies acquire something like that, apparently they put in a lot less. For, yeah, because like, usually they'll and, keep like the low level employees and stuff, but most of the upper management and shit, they'll just completely remove them and put their own people in place. Yeah. And that's that's where companies tend to go downhill after they've been acquired by bigger companies is because the bigger companies got rid of the upper management threw in their own and tried to make a bunch of changes that caused a bunch of problems. So yep. that right there tells me that they know what they're doing is working. They just wanted to get bigger. That's exactly so why their I said, whole thing. <laughs> yeah. They're in touch. You know, yep. they, they their know whole thing working. is they're like, look, they're making good stuff. They're doing what they want, like what they need to do. We just want them a part of our family. So we're going to bring them in. We're going to make sure we keep as many people as possible on staff so they can keep doing what they're doing and then we'll just add our resources to their repertoire so they can keep pumping out stuff uh, you're, you're gonna be happy when i read the rest <laughs> of it <the, laughs> i put a big old like thumbs up emoji next to that when i wrote it in my nose because i was so that's such a cool oh, yeah. thing to hear you know for yeah. once a big company's not buying somebody out and then like liquidating the employees they're yeah they're, they're actually improvising incentives to keep them oh yeah um, so Sony said, uh, through this acquisition, we intend to acquire new users and increase engagement on platforms other than PlayStation, uh, which will enable us to significantly advance our long-term growth strategy of further expanding the ecosystem of our game business. So Sony's not only saying like, yeah, we did this for PlayStation, you know, PlayStation Network and the company, but we also did it so that we could, and my guess is so that they could get more of their games outsourced to PC is what my idea is. Um, because, you know, they said that they wanted to, uh, increase engagement on other platforms other than PlayStation. So, um, another question that was answered in the interview, this is an interview that came from PC Gamer, I think, or it was either an interview from PC Gamer or it was an article talking about an interview that Sony was in when they talked Mm -hmm. about it. Um, so one of the things that they answered was like, how will employees get that money or those incentives from the 1.2 billion? So, uh, according to the article, it said $1.2 billion is allocated to employee retention in the form of deferred payments to employee shareholders, um, conditional upon their continued employment, mm-hmm. uh, and other intention res- uh, retention incentives, so other things other than just uh, deferred payments because their shares got bought out. So other than that, they're going to be giving them other things to stick, to stick around. Um, and it said that the money will be paid out over the course of several years. So it will take a little bit for those employees to kind of like see that. But I think that it's pretty impressive. Um, it's pretty impressive that it's even happening, I think. 
you don't really see that a lot with huge companies, or at least you don't really see them talking about it. Yeah, I uh, I agree. That's again, like we said earlier, like the transparency in Sony games has just been incredible. I've always loved them for that. You know, mm-hmm. like everybody everybody talks about exclusives, you know, and and yep. the different game exclusives. And whilst I think Sony has some of the best exclusives you could ever play in your life, like yep. some of their games that are exclusive to PlayStation are so fucking good. And I think it's because they keep in touch with their players and they mm-hmm. listen. Um. So uh, I kind of like I was asking questions of myself as I was reading the the um, article. So one of the questions is like, what will acquiring Bungie do for Sony? And they said, um, catalyzed by the acquisition of Bungie, we intend to accelerate the growth of our first party game software revenue, aiming to more than double the current amount by fiscal year 2025. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. So. Which is awesome because that means we're getting way more first-party Sony games. They're already really good. Um, and in the article, it said they planned to launch five new active online games in fiscal year 2025. Okay. So we're talking big games like Destiny, Halo, those kind of games. Like a new Kill Zone would be awesome for Sony to reboot their old series Kill Zone. That'd be sick. Um, I could see that happening. With Bungie coming along, it's going to be huge. And I think that. Uh, I think that even the Bungie representatives in the interview said that, um, or in the interview that the article was talking about, I'm pretty sure the Bungie representatives said that there would be no layoffs whatsoever, no firings, no employee liquidation at all, which is good, fucking sick. Yeah. <clears throat> um. So that's kind of what Sony's planning to do with the acquisition. They're kind of wanting to build. They're kind of wanting to build up their first party arsenal. It looks like, mm-hmm. um, which is, I mean, yeah, double down on what's strong already. Yeah, absolutely. Company, you know, just make it stronger. <laughs> um, I thought this was interesting too. Uh, the question was like, why spend a third of your acquisition money on employee retention? Like, that's a surprising question. But uh, they said from calendar year 2014, which is when Destiny launched, mm-hmm. uh, to calendar year 2021, the size of the global content market, the global game content market, mm-hmm. doubled. Uh, yeah. And driven by add-on content revenue from live game services, which grew at an average annual rate of 15%. And they expected that trend to move forward. So, um, their their strive is to create more online games with add-on content. So, it yeah. looks like, you know, DLCs, kind of subscription-based maybe even, or, you know, a la Destiny, free-to-play, and then paid DLCs later. They yeah. said that really pushed the game revenue market, like, mm-hmm. by 15%. Um which is pretty big. That's pretty big growth out of the entire gaming market. That's huge. I'll be honest. It definitely didn't seem like, and I definitely didn't hear anything that made it sound like Bungie was struggling in any way, shape, or form. So I don't think it was like a Sony swoops in and saves them from bankruptcy. It sounds more like a Sony went, we want to expand and we're going to take you with us. Yeah. And that right there should have answered the question of why would you spend so much money on making sure that there were no layoffs because they were already doing well they were already doing things that people liked they just want to add them to their to their arsenal it's a really great example of don't fix what ain't broke exactly um if bungie's doing great might as well bring them on board yeah uh super cool you never see companies do that anymore you never see them like put in a huge amount of incentive for employees to stay it's usually like ah, we merged sorry guys like yeah um which is awesome and uh i think the last note i have on here is um 
just that the profit of paid online content nowadays is massive. In an interview with Square Enix, I think Square Enix said that their one of the biggest reasons that they had a good 2021 year uh, was because of Final Fantasy 14 online, which is a f- uh, I, it's not free, but it is a paid online game. Um, that releases DLC every so often. Mm-hmm. And it looks like companies are, and hence like Amazon New World. You know, they'll yeah. be. Re- I'm sure they'll be recent releasing some content that you'll have to pay for eventually. Oh, I'm sure. Um, but it, some it, sort of DLC or man, something. It, it really looks like that's going to be kind of the way of the future for games. Is like, and hopefully along the way we do more free releases because that's what Destiny did. Mm-hmm. Everybody after the first game came out, like and all of its DLCs, everybody said like, yeah, Destiny should really be free because you buy the game at sixty dollars, and then these DLCs come out, and then you have an ultimate edition that sells for sixty dollars after the game's been out for a month. So we yep. should have just bought it for free. And Bungie listened, and they made Destiny two free. I think after well, a little while, after a while, it was yeah, a, it initially was a cost pay originally because I bought it. <laughs> oh, it <fuck>. That <laughs> pissed off a lot of people that bought yeah. it when it came out. I didn't care because it was like, you know what? I've, they're going to do what they're going to do. Like, yeah, sure. They should have probably sent like partial refunds back to people for buying it. But it's one of those, you know what? Everybody who bought it brand new when it came out knew that in six months or so, there was going to be an ultimate edition that came out at the same price with all the DLCs. So they can't really be that mad. <laughs> No, I mean, I <laughs> like, mean, at least they listened. Yeah, you know, they were like, "Well, look, I mean, we were going to release so much DLC, we might as well just make the game free, and then more people will buy the DLC." Then, you know, yeah. Um, and they listened, and apparently, it's done very well for them. Apparently, yeah. you know, Bungie has done so well that Sony asked them to come on board, and yeah, uh, uh, and so well that they kept all of their employees doing it. So yeah, Sony buying Bungie for six point three billion dollars—that's a huge amount. I think that's close to what Microsoft bought Activision Blizzard for. I think that's more than what they bought was Activision it? Blizzard yeah. for. I want to say Activision Blizzard was purchased for like three point something billion. Sony brought down their financial hammer. Damn, they said, let's see. You guys like mergers? Let's see what happens with the <laughs> merger. They went, oh, you want to take Activision Blizzard? All right. You can All right. Have I got something for your ass. Boom. The hammer. Bungie. Yeah. <laughs> It fucking sick. I really hope that thump came through on that. Oh, it did. (laughs) (laughs) But um, yeah. So and I'm really glad you share the kind of like appreciation I have for a company that does that because that's and I've always been a fan of Sony. Yep. I you know I grew up in a household that had PlayStation One, PlayStation Two. Um. So like PlayStation's kind of been part of my life from the beginning, but. As I've gotten older, like there are certain things that I've learned to look into and kind of see and like I've learned to kind of see some of the more shady dealings of some companies and kind of look into stuff, especially doing this podcast. Like we're constantly looking into, you know, things that are going on, things that are different, things like that. Yeah. And so like doing that research. Yeah. The more the more I've done into Sony, the more and more I've been very uh, happy and proud of my decision to stick with them from yeah, the to beginning. Stay loyal to the brand for sure. Yep. I'm I am a big fan of Sony as a as a gaming studio, um, and I I have not been, um, I've never hidden that. Yeah, no, yeah, me neither. <laughs> and I mean, like, and you have to acknowledge too, even if you're a fan of Microsoft and Xbox, and you think Sony can go take a dump or whatever, or is the dump. Um, no. Even even if you're on that side, like back when the Xbox 360 and PS3 came out, you have to acknowledge one company 
was looking at how they can pull out money from their employee, from their uh, consumers. And then one company was trying to offer the service for free and, and acquire revenue through just strictly buying their games. And that was Sony. Yep. Um, because their online service to play with your friends was completely free. It had a yep. few missing features compared to Xbox paid membership. That's true. Yeah. Um, but you could talk to your friends at a party. You could play games together. Yep. You could. Um, it was all free. Uh, and then, you know, competition being competition and whatnot. Sony had to change that going yep. forward and, of course, increase their security and things like that. But yeah, that was the downside was they had to do the subscription because they had to increase security because then it became too easy for people to. Yeah. And that, I mean, that makes sense. You learn the lessons like, the hard way. That's yeah. for sure. But, uh, you know, I think I think that it was pretty clear what their intentions were off the bat. Uh, and what Microsoft's were off the bat. So that's kind of, that's part of the reason I really enjoy Sony as a company and they're releasing Uncharted the movie soon. So they're going to pull in some revenue from that and they've made a ton from Spider-Man. And um, I don't, I don't know if any of that money even comes around and invests. And I, I would assume they take a huge chunk of that and invest it to different parts of the company. I assume, but you never know. It probably it probably gets redisperse. I'm sure they put the majority of it back into the studio so they can try and make another movie. But being yeah. that Sony has its it's got so many irons in the fire, like well, I be wouldn't smart, be right? surprised if they also were smart about their distribution and went, "Ooh, you know what? We've got some cool new things coming up over here in the gaming world. So we're going to take some of this revenue from Spider Man and go." Yeah. There it is, right into the gaming world. It and be, then, oh, hey, we've got some good stuff coming back from the gaming world, but we've got some new products coming out over here for in-home line. So we're just going to pull some of that revenue right over there into yep. our home line. I mean, it would, it would be pretty smart of them to just, like, start putting it into the home line and the gaming sphere and stuff, yep. because then they can also write it off on taxes as a business expense and acquisition of new resources, like Bungie, yep. you know? So yeah. um, good on Sony. I think I think they're... I think they're making great moves. Uh, The so yeah, anyone who was afraid of that gaming monopoly happening, that's pretty clear. That's not going to happen because take a look. Sony just acquired one of the biggest names in FPS. So we'll see. One of the biggest kind of almost Xbox exclusive. (laughs) Yeah, because Halo's been Xbox exclusive forever. It came out on PC with Halo Infinite, so like now we've got PC available, but. It still didn't come out on PlayStation, but Sony acquiring Bungie kind of well, like, Halo games have always been on PC. But yeah, oh, they have been on PC. Oh, always? Yeah. oh, oh yeah. I didn't even realize that. First, I thought it I was think, always. I'm pretty sure PC first because the original Halo, I'm pretty sure, came out on PC first. Hmm. Um, See, I, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't realize that. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I didn't. I, I didn't for the longest Xbox time. Too. I didn't for the longest time, and then uh, one of my friends, I think it was Nick or somebody, was like, was like, Halo Collection's been on Steam for. Years and I was like, oh, <laughs> I just found that out like last year or something. You say it's it's possible it may have been Xbox exclusive originally, but then once Microsoft connected their online services for uh, Xbox and uh, PC, that they just merged everything together. Yeah, it's I don't very know possible how that works, that's how that happened. Yeah. Um. But uh, yeah, I just. Uh, I'm excited for it. We'll see what happens. I mean, obviously there's, you know, that doesn't mean Bungie doesn't have a deal with Microsoft still for exclusivity for Halo. So that might, you know, we might not see a Halo for PlayStation. Yeah, it's entirely possible. We'll have to see how all that pans out, you know, contract-wise, negotiation-wise. But what's cool, and the other thing that's cool about this is not just Sony's behavior, um, which is great, but the the kind of like the clash of the titans that's happening between Sony and Microsoft because <laughs> mm-hmm. Microsoft acquires these heavy, these heavy hitty these heavy hitters and you're like, 
shit, that's that's a lot of games. Like that's mm-hmm. a lot of potential. And then yep. Sony just kind of claps right back, spending. I don't know. I don't really know if it was almost double. We'll have to double check on that. Um, I'll pull it up. Uh, real yeah, quick. you can take a quick Go look. But if but if Sony was acquiring almost double what Microsoft spent, that's. I mean, that's such a cool moment as a consumer to see because it's all beneficial to you, the consumer. The more competition there is in the space between companies, the better it is for the consumer. So. Um, I'm excited to see what Sony kind of dishes out and what they bring. Um, what what does that say? What did they acquire Jesus. Activision Blizzard for? Um, how much did you say they uh, spent on uh, Bungie? Six point three billion. Oh Jesus! They didn't spend jack shit in comparison. My bad. Oh okay, yeah. Never uh, mind. <laughs> yeah, Microsoft's sixty eight point seven billion deal to oh, buy Activision Blizzard. Oh, that looks Blizzard. like nothing. Yeah, never mind. Yeah. Okay. Well, still, I mean, it's still it's still cool to see them kind of fight off, but uh, Sony, yeah, that's that's not that big of a buy. We were like, whoa, <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, I, yeah, I could have swore that it was something like four something, four point something billion, but yeah, apparently, I, for some reason, I remember that too. But uh, maybe we just shared the wrong figure in the last maybe, cast. <laughs> maybe the four, maybe the four point something billion was how much they spent on shares. And the sixty-eight is like the full amount. It's it, it might have been that's how much they paid per share. The deal valued um, at three point six billion. Oh, there you go. That may just be a fraction of the six. Oh wait, hang on. What? I'm so sorry. We're just we're just now like taking a quick, <laughs> a quick look we're at these articles, fact checking ourselves, and going, "Oh crap, we were way wrong." Yeah. So. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it looks like. Yeah. Oh, the deal with with Sony with Sony was valued at three points. This is an article comparing the two deals that popped up first. Oh, there you go. Sony was valued at three point six billion. Uh, but yeah, Microsoft spent sixty billion. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I honestly, I think Activision Blizzard's probably a little bit bigger than Bungie is. Absolutely, the Call um, of Duty franchise. Pff, that yeah. alone is so worth like, like half of that. Obviously, probably. it was going to be more expensive to do it anyway. Um, I'm still impressed. I'm still happy with, you know, Sony kind of trying to clap back a little bit. I still yeah. think that's a huge hit to Microsoft. Oh, it, is. it really is. Because now those talks of Halo to, to PlayStation can actually happen. Yep. Um, whereas before it was like no chance. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, I, especially I'll with almost, Halo Infinite, I'll almost guarantee that every time they release a new Halo game, that's when a new contract goes through with Microsoft for exclusivity. So since Sony has connected it, it means that either Bungie through like under Sony is going to end up making a lot more money out of Microsoft for exclusivity, or it's going to, the next one will come out on PlayStation, whatever the next one may be. If there is a next one, I w- we can hope that would be awesome. So, that would be really cool. It would depend on the deal they would have to make and negotiations. I think you're probably right on the contract thing. So I, I would be willing to Bet that there's probably not going to be, at least not for the near future, a possibility of Halo Infinite on PlayStation. It would be neat to see, and it would be not unheard of considering Sony didn't really spend all that much compared to Microsoft in the acquisition. So it would be cool to see Sony fork over some money to break that deal with Microsoft, and yeah. maybe Microsoft could get some back. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Um, interesting things that are going to come up. So. All the fears that were laden when uh, Microsoft did that big buyout, rest them, 
because other companies will be coming and other companies will be, uh, they'll all be competing together and it's going to be great. There's still some stuff that I'm like, eh, I don't know. I'm just, you know, as long as, as long as they do something similar to what Sony's doing right here with Bungie, I'll be just fine with, you know, the transition of, uh, Blizzard getting, uh, consumed into Microsoft, but yeah, I didn't really, I didn't look too much into it to be honest. Like as far as employee retention, because that was just one of the things that like they made a point to address in yeah. the interviews with Sony with Microsoft. I just didn't really read much about it. I don't think that they even really talked about if they were keeping employees, what was happening. Yeah. They were almost. pretty hush about it. So I don't like that. I hate that. I'm glad Sony is super transparent. Yeah, so I just, I opened up, like, when I was looking to see how much the uh, Microsoft spent, I just, you know, Googled how much did Microsoft spend on Activision Blizzard, and it just, like, all the articles that are out there are talking about, like, how it's such a big transaction, one of the largest transactions in gaming, da-da-da, but it doesn't actually, like, really talk that much into any of the details of the acquisition outside of how much they spent. And that's, that's definitely something that kind of, it's kind of unnerving with bigger companies like that because yeah, okay. It's super crazy how much they spent just to be able to acquire this. But the fact that that's the only thing they're trying to draw attention to is a little weird. Like what, okay, what else are you doing then? Like, what are you, why are you only trying to show off how much money you can spend and not talking about what you're going to do for them by With acquiring that money them. or like what you're going to do for the people who are already in there, you know? Yeah. yeah. Like, I, I don't like that. Yeah. What's the plan going <laughs> forward? Like, tell us about, tell us about what you've got planned for the acquisition of this, not just that you spent almost 69 billion on this. Yeah. And I was trying to, <laughs> I was trying to find the article that I was just looking at with it because it was from PC Gamer. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is probably more so credit to PC Gamer than it is to Sony, but, I mean, that was one of the articles that popped up, and the headline was, Sony put $1.2 billion into keeping Bungie employees. Yeah. Um, whereas the Microsoft Blizzard articles are all about, like you said, the big spending and not really so much about what they're doing with it. Yeah. Which is, I don't know, it's all just very telling for me. For me, as a person, when a company is transparent about what they're doing with what, you know, actions they're taking... It's a it's a plus. I think it's a bonus. I think it's good. So yeah. um, makes me feel anyway. better about supporting PlayStation as long as I have. Uh, uh, PlayStation players are happy about it. I think. Yep. <laughs> so, all right. Anyway, I, we spent a little long on that one. <laughs> it's okay. All right. What's yours, Kev? All right. What's your next one? Next one I got is uh, so you know how Wizards of the Coast is owned by Hasbro, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so they recently promoted the president of Wizards of the Coast up to Hasbro management, which oh, yeah. means that they need a new president for Wizards of the Coast. And you so, applied and got it. No, I wish. That'd be awesome. <laughs> that would uh, be sick. <laughs> no, uh, they appointed a new president um, that will be effective uh, February 21st. Um, this was three days ago. They appointed a new president, uh, Cynthia Williams. Cynthia, um, that's the... Uh... Yeah, I guess she was... She was... for or Like, her former, like, credentials before coming to Hasbro, working for Microsoft and Amazon. Um, so, like, she's got a lot of online you know, electronic background on that. So maybe we'll see some, some cool new, um, developments over at Wizard yeah, of the coast. Possibly. 
using that experience, we can hope. What an least. interesting move. They promoted the Wizards of the Coast guy to be the president of Hasbro. Uh, I don't know if they took him to the to president. He, let's or, see. Or, sorry, what did so you, oh, I previous, thought that's what you said. No, no, no. They, pro, they promoted Cynthia up, or they, so outgoing president Chris Cox is promoted to the top job at Hasbro. So maybe he is becoming the top job. Maybe so. not the president. That's what, yeah, it's just, that's what this was. This, uh, N world. Um, interesting. It says Wizards of the coast has a new president. Outgoing president, Chris Cox being promoted to the top job at Hasbro. Uh, Wizards of the coast has a chief, uh, uh Microsoft, uh, Microsoft's, Cynthia Williams. Williams is joined by Tim Fields, a senior vice president. Over at Microsoft, Williams was a general manager and vice president gaming ecosystems, commercial team, and was heavily involved in Xbox growth. So maybe we'll see some good Wizards of the Coast uh, backed <laughs> games coming. That'd be like pretty sick, online games and stuff. Yeah. I would love um, an open world game online MMO made by Wizards of the Coast. That would be sick. I think that would be hype. That would actually be pretty cool. Um, um, so yeah, it sounds like he's going somewhere up there in Hasbro. She was CEO of mobile gaming studio Kabam Games. I have no oh. idea who that is. Kabam? Yeah. Hold up. Who did they... What is... Tell I me think about they, Kabam. Hang on. Uh, it's either Kabam or some other company that starts with a K. One of them, one of them makes a bunch of the... Uh, <laughs> Like the addicting simple games, like uh, like don't touch the spikes. Um, uh, there's a whole a whole bunch of them, but it's like a company that makes a lot of the same ones. Okay, uh, Marvel Contest of Champions, Disney Mirrorverse, uh, Transformers Forge to Fight, Shop Titans. Okay, there's one that people would actually know. Shop Titans. I've seen Shop Titans everywhere. Really? Uh, um, so it looks like the bigger Marvel Realm games, of the Mad God, like. Kingdoms of Camelot, Star Wars Uprising, Fast and Furious Six, Imperium Galactic War, Hero Force, and Marvel Realm of Champions. Um. Unfortunately, Kabam is no longer. They uh, sold all of their stuff to... It wasn't good. It wasn't the company I was thinking of then. Where'd it go? On January 7th, 2016, Kabam announced it had sold its legacy games to a third-party published games, uh, GAEA Mobile. Um, They shut down a bunch of old... Oh, never mind. So they didn't... They just sold one of its legacy games and some... Okay, so it sold some of its game rights to them. Gotcha. Um, it says that they're still... Who owns Kabam? Netmarble. Um, yeah, so Kabam still has them out there, but yeah. Okay, interesting. Um, but got, she's getting brought on as, as El Presidente of yep. Wizards of the Coast. President of Wizards of the Coast. Yeah, I don't know. I wonder what she'll bring to the table for them. Uh, like, I don't know if it's going to be like... Because usually when I think of somebody coming into a president seat, usually mm-hmm. I think that's somebody who's going to go, okay, like... Time to add some new things. Time to change things up. That's usually kind of the yeah. the idea. Very little of times do you have a new president come in and then not see changes happen. Yeah, which can be good or bad. Um, yeah. I mean, I'll be excited for whatever changes she brings. I'm kind of happy with what's coming out with Wizards of the Coast. Like they've been pumping out some pretty cool, bon- like uh, pretty cool content with Dungeons and Dragons. Um, so I'm I'm pretty excited about that. 
Um, Quick salute to the man leaving the president spot so yes, far. Sir. Thank you for all the wonderful content. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but uh, yeah, I honestly, with her background being so heavily into the video game spirits uh, sphere, it's very possible that we're going to see a lot more uh, Wizards of the Coast, you know, mobile games, video games, stuff like that. Yeah, um, it'll be interesting to what she brings in terms of like her relationship yeah. to Microsoft and mm-hmm. and her experience and stuff like that. So that'll be really cool. Yeah. I think I think Wizard of the Coast is kind of lacking on there. Well, didn't they just they did just release a mobile Magic the Gathering? I believe so. They? Yes, I believe so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I mean, they've got they've got a little bit moving. into like the mobile gaming scene and a little bit into other stuff like that. But, but like a like lot D&D of their stuff, stuff, I haven't seen much. It's it's been mostly like most of their like really big stuff has been you we know can get between D and D app that is not D and D Beyond, please. Oh my like word, a free be... one that's really good. Please just give us a really good character creation app that or, is free from D and D Beyond because D and D Beyond sucks even, ass. Honestly, even if it wasn't free, if it was like a one time payment of like five bucks, it wouldn't yeah, even I be would, that bad. Oh, please, like, just I'd a character so creation sheet, not the books, not the not the list or whatever. Just the character creation sheets with the information from the books. Yep. Um, but not like all the story and stuff. Leave that paid. Just give us like a one-time purchase app that's like very streamlined for character creation because the fan ones are good, but an official one would be great. Yes. Um, yeah, especially especially when it comes to like fact-checking stuff because that's, that's one of the big things. Like I love Fight Club, but if you get one that is not – like if you get an XML file that you put into there that's not accurate – as far as like race or class or anything else comes in with character creation, then you're sitting there going, well, that's what my thing says, but it's not right. And like, like a lot of the apps too, it's, it's kind Mm -hmm. of, it's so free flow that is, that it's it's really easy to lose your character and to give your character stuff. They shouldn't be able to have. It's very much so intended for veteran players. Mm -hmm. Whereas like new players will make a lot of mistakes and they won't know what to do. So it would be really, what's her name? Cynthia, Uh, Cynthia Williams, Cynthia Williams, please just, I know you're listening to this. (laughs) Come on, (laughs) give us some really good character (laughs) creation tool. Yeah, I know. Come on to the podcast. We'll give you some free, we'll get, we'll treat you nice. You know, we'll, let's do an interview with Cynthia Williams. I would love to have, oh my God, honestly, anyone from Wizards (laughs) of the Coast, is if they've got any involvement in Dungeons and Dragons, I would love to have them on the podcast. Anyone from any big company, I would love to have. I mean, yeah, but like with how much with how much we do with Dungeons and Dragons, that's where I'm <laughs> yeah, like, Wizards sick. of the Coast. You want to send somebody from your Dungeons and Dragons like development stuff? Oh, anybody, great. it could be some random like secretary that doesn't even do anything. I will. We will interview them and have a great old time. Uh, you could always just send out a letter, you know. Hey, want to come on the podcast if you want? You know, have a representative. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that'd be funny. This podcast nobody's ever heard of. I know, right? <laughs> this tiny um, little podcast. <laughs> that would be funny. That's very cool. Uh, that's pretty exciting. Yeah. Hopefully, we'll get some new and exciting stuff from Cynthia. Um, and good for her. Yeah. Good for her for coming into that seat. Uh, all right. Um, moving right along, we'll move on to my next topic, I suppose. And Kevin, I've got a question for you for this one. Oh boy, I just love where these go. <laughs> my nose is all stuffy. Also, I never explained. I love how I'm halfway through the cast, and I'm, now I'm gonna talk about it. But we didn't upload last week because we wanted to keep art. Not last week, but well, we, I think it was like a couple weeks ago. It was. Um, it would have been last week. This like at this time, like we had an episode that came out on Monday. Today is Saturday for us. It's here for reference for people. This is it's Saturday, the 5th of February. Um, So we had an episode come out this last week. Um, 
or like technically this week, it came out on Monday. Um, but the week before we did not have an episode come out, um, which any of you who have seen any of my discord messages on any of the discord servers that I'm on, um, messaging about the, the podcast, you'll, you'll know that I, I did, uh, mentioned that we missed a week good yeah because i i had caught covid um had to deal with it for like a a little over a week it was pretty pretty bad i didn't really like it (laughs) but uh yeah no way i could have done the cast so um that was the only reason we missed that week and i didn't want to burn up our backlogged episodes so soon because then we would have been right back where we started with the whole struggling to get momentum going so i really wanted to save that so hence the super late notice for recording. So now the recordings are going to be a little bit further behind than normal, but eh, it's okay. Um, anyway, that was just a little side note for where we've been and I'm fine. Now my nose is stuffed up is where I was going with this. My nose is stuffed up because of allergies. I'm dealing with allergies now. Great. Here comes fake spring, fake spring. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Um, Um, it's my, that's my Oregon, uh, um, uh, weather joke. Yeah, because we never have consistent weather. <laughs> yep. Um. Anyway, so the question I have for you, Kevin, is, um, what do you think of cloud gaming? Cloud gaming. Yeah. What do you think of like a game being ran on somebody else's PC, long ways away, and you hop on like your phone or your console and you play wirelessly through that uh, via internet connection? I mean, on any device you want sounds kind of cool it sounds cool right? um yeah <laughs> sounds cool and then um i guess i'll ask the second question after i tell you a little bit about google stadia so okay. we all remember google stadia yep. they launched back in 2020 2020 i think it was 2020 think or 2019 so, yeah. one of the two they launched all the way back then um yeah, what seems like forever here in 2022 forever yeah, ago time is going by really fast i mean it does seem like forever because you think like 2020 that was a while ago and then you think like man we're at 2022 already Oof. Yeah. like time's simultaneously moving quick all while taking forever yep <laughs> um so anyway big update for google stadia as we know their launch didn't go great right um their launch was not what they wanted and so after that launch they came out with a statement and they were like we're gonna restructure a little bit and we'll come back <laughs> So here's the restructuring plan. Are you ready? Yeah. The restructuring plan is to uh, Google Stadia is now selling their software and licensing it to other companies to use with their own brand name. <laughs> so from insider information uh, in this article, this is, I'm pretty sure all my stuff for today is from PC Gamer. Um, they said Google had a goal of 1 million. So, oh, wait, hang on. Uh, Google current and former employees estimate about 20% of Stadia's current focus is actually on building on their consumer platform and the other 80% is focused on licensing. (laughs) So they have kind of just thrown out the window of Stadia being their own service and now they're going to license it, which I think company and decision wise company to business decision wise, that's a good move. Uh, It's a smart move. I think, um, it said Google had a goal of 1 million subs to the surface in... No, I didn't say okay, Google. Stop it. Google, my phone is like, huh? Uh, they had a goal <laughs> 1 million subs to the service in 2020, and they missed it by about 25%. Uh, which, I mean, a million, that's still 700-something thousand that you got, which is really good, but it's not what they wanted. Um, 
And one of the insiders apparently on Google Stadia said that retention was a real problem for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, like, they just had a really hard time keeping people on the service. Mm-hmm. And I think part of the reason for that is just because, like, when you buy into, like, a monthly monthly service like that, like Netflix, for example, you have to weigh kind of... And I've thought about canceling Netflix. Well, actually, actually I use my parents, so I mooch. But because <laughs> yeah. um, they use it all the time. But if I were someone putting into Netflix, I would wonder how how often am I using Netflix and how good is it? Yeah. Um. And how 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 much internet can I pay for relative to make it good enough to use? That's kind of always the question you have to ask when you make a uh, paid service monthly. You know. Um. And that's what that's what the consumer is going to ask anyway. And so for me, you know, I don't want to pay for Netflix because I'm not going to use it. So if I were paying for Google Stadia, I think the pro- the reason they have a problem with retention is because you have these people who are like, their market is most likely adults who can pay for it on their own. Yep. At the same time, those adults don't have a lot of time. Yeah. And so when you buy a game physically and you play it, sure, you have the game forever. You can play it whenever you want. You purchase it one time, it's over. For Stadia, yeah, you're not buying the games, but you are paying monthly whether you're using the service or not. Yep. And I think that that's kind of the issue. Um, that and their small game library. I think they only have like 200 games or something like that. Which, you know, in terms of AAA, that's fine. But, you know, if if someone <laughs> wants to play a, a game that's lesser heard of, it's way, way harder to do so on, St- on Stadia. Um, but my question for you was, do you think that cloud gaming will be kind of the future? Do you think that that like long term, like we're talking long, long term, eventually we'll get there and that's going to be the meta or do you think that cloud gaming was kind of like a pipe dream like we were striving for it we thought it would work and it's probably not going to work so well i think it kind of goes um back to the like the argument that i had kind of brought up when we were originally talking about the steam deck like way way back about how stuff like that where it's like it's a separate device. It doesn't have data or whatever. So like cloud gaming, you know, since you've got to stream it, if it's on your phone, you can do it. But if it's on any other device, like you can't do it without, you know, universal Wi-Fi. As long as there's not Wi-Fi everywhere, I don't think it's really going to be as big as people think it is. And even then, um, it just has to be like, good Wi-Fi too. Yeah. Because like there's, a, there's a lot of people that play games on their phones. But for the most part, it's more of just like time waster games. You know, like not, not many people are really playing like major video games on their phone like yeah there's a few people that are actually utilizing like the remote play options with playstation and xbox stuff like that but even still you'll very rarely catch them actually playing like out and about where they don't have wi-fi you'll catch them playing at someone's house or you know oh, the mall or something like that yeah i mean you know, for example they have access to wi-fi. our friend nick he loves the the xbox or the microsoft like cloud Mm-hmm. playing thing he loves it he talks about it all the time but yeah. i've seen him do it once yeah i don't you know? <laughs> i don't very often see him use it like the person that i actually see use like cloud gaming style stuff the remote play um is river i see river use remote play all the time uh he really? plays like stardew valley he'll play like minecraft stuff like that well stardew um, valley's on on mobile as an app yeah. so i don't i don't know if he's playing it via remote oh, he play might be he I might be playing it on the app instead but but, but what was the other one starcraft um Minecraft. Minecraft. Like Starcraft. he and he and Max both will play Minecraft um through remote play for PlayStation. They'll connect their their controller to their phone and, and play. 
I think that one's also just the app for Minecraft because the app for Minecraft is Bedrock, and that is oh. what the console version is. So it's cross-plat on but the But did they? But did they set it up? Like, did they have it set up where you can on on the mobile app play with your controller? I believe so. Yeah, you okay. just connect it via Bluetooth, I think, and I'm pretty sure you can just play oh. that way. Um, <laughs> yeah, tell oh, me, it's well, crazy where we're going with this kind of technology. Um, but even then, I just I don't see a lot of people using yeah. cloud gaming a whole lot. That's exactly yeah. That's kind of my point. It's like I, yeah. I don't see it. Like, I agree. Yeah, not unless we've got good Wi-Fi that's free and easily accessible to everybody everywhere. I don't see it. Yeah. So I mean, if if what I could see is like. If they really wanted cloud gaming and subscription service gaming to be huge and to be like a replacer, it, I don't know if it's supposed to be or not, but or even an, an alternative that's consistent. What I would see or what I think I would have to see is, you know, p- buying a essentially creating their own network Internet, you know, service, their mm-hmm. own ISP strictly for that cloud gaming server that they would be able to distribute and maybe probably increase the price of whatever service. But in addition to that price, you get access to that internet or that data, you know, like how we have mobile data, mm-hmm. um, which is strictly dedicated to those servers so that it can have, so you can have that stable connection. I don't know how that all that works ins and out. That probably sounds really dumb, but that would be the only way I would see cloud gaming holding a candle to traditional um, because yeah. it's, it's so hard to find internet everywhere right now. I mean, yeah, it's 2022. We're living in a pretty awesome time where internet's most places that you go, but it's not always good. I mean, yeah. half the time at, at Target where I work, you know, the internet goes out 60% of the time, you know, granted yeah. it's free or whatever. But um, I, I think maybe one day, like if they had, like we talked about the Steam Deck, you know, like you were saying, if if we had stable internet everywhere, yeah, it would that'd be a huge chance for cloud gaming to to be big. Um, but what I have noticed is that a lot of companies like Ubisoft, I'm pretty sure I read the other day, was launching their own cloud gaming software uh, or service. So it looked... So see, I can see something like that working out a little bit where it's like, let's just say there's like a lot of games that you... like. Let's, let's say Blizzard. Blizzard has a bunch of games that you really enjoy playing and, you know... They're constantly pumping out, you know, new game, new game, new game. That's a part of it. And they release their own cloud gaming service. Like, okay, yeah, most of the games that I play are owned by Blizzard Activision. So I could see paying a subscription to, um, to do that. Play a collection of games. Yeah. The other market I think is like low end gamers who just can't, they can't afford a $500 PlayStation. They can't afford a six, you know, a $3,000 computer. So they have to play on their laptops that are meant for school <laughs> but with cloud gaming it doesn't matter if your laptop's meant for school you just need enough to run a browser and you can play whatever you want which is i see that appeal that's a great yeah. idea i think that's really good getting access to AAA games in the hands of consumers who are super budget um but i, th- I think i also agree that like companies using that cloud software is going to be a lot more effective than having one that encompasses all of them because yeah. Trying to encompass all of them spreads so wide that, you know, you run into the problem we're talking about, which is lack of internet, lack of access, instability, um, that sort of thing. Even though apparently Microsoft is great. I, again, I've never actually used it. Yeah, I wouldn't it. know. Um, yeah, I wouldn't know. <laughs> but uh, 
I thought it was interesting though that Ubisoft had like launched a few weeks ago. I read it that they were launching like their cloud gaming service. It might not be Ubisoft, but a couple of other platforms. And Netflix is planning to do their own game serving, uh, game streaming service. Um, this is probably Google Google Stadia that's been reskinned. Uh, they're probably just selling Stadia out to like Netflix and Ubisoft and all them. That's probably what's going on. Um, so as for like success, I wonder what we'll find. I wonder if we'll if we'll get there or not, but. Uh, yeah, I thought it was interesting that that Stadia was like, yeah, we're gonna offer our own service. It's gonna be the ultimate gaming cloud, and now they're selling it to everybody because it didn't work out. Yep. <laughs> so rip to Google Stadia. It's not dead yet, but I definitely think it will be. I think that twenty percent will get smaller and smaller and smaller. Um, cool. Yeah. So what what do you have, Kevin? Um, I mean, the only thing I really had left that was like, for sure, I could actually kind of talk about it would be just kind of first thoughts on Yu-Gi-Oh! Master Duel. <laughs> yeah. Um, we can talk about it a little bit. Cause that's, I didn't get a lot of time to kind of like research by actually playing it. Um, I know like the little bits of what I've heard, uh, amongst the communities about Master Duel. And then just like my first thoughts from playing a little, like I played for probably like, hour hour and a half maybe two hours at the most um uh over the past couple of days um i did also have i had uh so christian reached out to me about um uh Yu-Gi-Oh master duel and pokemon arceus um seen a lot of good about pokemon arceus but i really want to like if i can hopefully at some point uh try to play it first before i give any full thoughts on it um, and I said the same thing for Master Duel. I did get to play it a little bit and I, I did enjoy it. It honestly, like, it kind of seemed like it incorporated, like, the, um, the buying style features from, uh, Duel Links, but the actual, like, standard style play of regular TCG and OCG, um, which was, it was nice, um, Danny and I had actually talked about a little bit um, Prior to the other day recording. when we were oh. playing New World together. Well, yeah, this too, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we had talked about um, that it was kind of it was kind of obvious, uh, like it kind of made sense why uh, Konami was like worked so hard to get uh, uh, now I'm gonna total Wigo Pro mm-hmm. off of the computer because obviously they were trying to you know release their own yeah for anyone that doesn't wanted know, to release their own wigo pro was a free software that a whole bunch of Yu-Gi-Oh fans made uh that basically it they made Yu-Gi-Oh in all of its entirety rules and all functionality every single card and they made a software for it and it was totally free it was called wigo pro you could play people online you could make whatever deck you wanted it was it's pretty awesome um and then konami came down and said absolutely not and they sent it they sent them a cease and desist um fair enough that's your ip you know yep um and this is why because they were going to come out with dual master and it's literally the same thing it's just kind of been like skinned and polished a little bit and has animations it, and, yeah it's got like the the animations and the look and stuff that you got from dual links if anybody played you go dual links um, but you know, for people who only played Yu-Gi-Oh! Duel Links, a lot of people are going, why do I have five spaces? What, what, what's a main phase two, yeah. you know, stuff like that. And it's, you know, that's those of us who have actually played the original game. Like if you played from way back when it came out, you know, there's always been five spaces. There's always been, you know, yeah. main phase two. Um, but, uh, I, I did enjoy playing a little bit. Um, 
I personally, Danny and I were talking before we started too a little bit about Master Duel, and um, we both kind of agree that the uh, variety in the different packs that are available is a little too extensive for our liking. It's we don't like how big. many options there are. It kind of defeats like, ooh, I'm going to buy this pack because I get a chance at this because you have a chance at, you know, it's thousands like a, of cards yeah, it's in a one, one pack. In, a one in 4,000 chance you'll get that card maybe, you know, yeah. so it's, 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 and it's too much. It's a little too much, so we're hoping that they'll, you know, narrow that down as it goes, or they'll have some more, like, secret packs that unlock that are maybe, you know, a little more narrow, a little more like the actual packs that they release in real life. I would like that a lot more. Because, <laughs> you know, that's, that's kind of the point of buying different individual packs, is, like, there's a specific kind of archetype that you're looking for, and that archetype is prevalent in the this specific pack. So you're like, I'm gonna buy a bunch of that pack because I'm trying to build a deck that fits that archetype. Yeah, the way Dual Masters is set up, they have, they they still break it up that way, but it's so like you said, it's so widespread across all of the yeah. cards that it, it's, instead it doesn't of, matter. You might as well buy the one pack that has everything. Your chances of getting it aren't even that big of a difference. <laughs> yeah, at least from the packs I've seen, we've only played a little bit, so that could yeah. change. But yeah. Um, um, I did like the um, the like origin story stuff that they did for some of the cards um, and that you can get the <laughs> get like it. a starter deck from uh, completing that. Um, I wish that the starter deck had been a little bit more like the starter deck that you could like a starter deck you can buy in the store. Um, yeah, it's they are it was, a little they're changed and they're it's not like, as good. It's yeah, it seemed like you got like. Uh, like, half of like what the structure deck in the store would come yeah. with and then other half is like some of them are weird some of them are like why would you put that in that deck yeah like i only got i got the um the monarch one i completed the monarch one um and i got the monarch starter deck and i looked at it and i was like this it only gives poopy. you like two <laughs> or three of the the monarch speller trap cards that are available um and it only gives you like you know, a couple of monarchs. It doesn't give you any of the um, the squires or the vassals that are usually synergized with it. Yeah, like it's kind of it, like whoa. It was like honestly, in comparison, like yeah, I understand. I'm I'm spending in-game currency on this, and the game itself was free to begin with. But I, you know, I went down and I spent you know twenty bucks on two copies of the same starter deck, and I had you know enough to build a, really a pretty deck. decent <laughs> yeah. uh, you know monarch deck. Once I got that third one, and I was able to put three copies of whatever I needed into it, like I'm sitting there, you know, I was damn near undefeatable just with that for a couple months in our friend group. <laughs> like, yeah. I, you know, it's just one of those like it it, it would be a little bit. It'd be a little more enticing to keep playing, getting a little bit better. Like, I understand you're still getting a, a, a structure deck for free by going through the little, like, story deals. So, there, there is that. Like, that kind of makes sense that you'd nerf it a little bit. But at the same time, like... I just wish it made more sense, you know? Yeah. I can deal with the nerf. I just, just make it more sense, you know? Yeah. Throw some of the synergy in there and then... Just make it not as strong. Uh, yeah. Like, just don't throw as many in there. You know, yeah, or like, like, only that. give me, you know, two or three, like, of the main monarchs instead of, like, one of each of the monarchs. And then, you the know, one or, or two of each of the different monarch spell and trap cards. One Eddie and one Eidos, you know. Yeah. Something like that. But like, no, not even that. <laughs> it's weird. Yeah. It's just a weird, questionable choice that they yeah. made with that. That's probably just to incentivize you to buy the packs, obviously. Yeah. I will say... Duel Masters is probably Konami's best chance at moving Yu-Gi-Oh! back into the main, uh, back into the mainstream. 
well, it's I probably guess, their best chance. I guess they're like working on um, adding master duels to uh, like Yu-Gi-Oh tournaments. That's like what for I was going to say stuff, next was stuff. that they're planning on tournaments via yep. master duel, which I'm fucking hyped for. Because if anyone knows, any, everybody that knows me in person, uh, tragically, somebody broke into my car a long time ago and they stole all of my cards. Thousands of my cards, like eight or nine of my decks which are all my yeah. decks, and I lost everything. And so I was like, well, no point in playing Yu-Gi-Oh! anymore, so I, I quit. Um, but now that Master Duel's out, I can, I can, uh, you know, I can actually, like, kind of rebuild the decks for, like, a lower cost, and I can, like, even play against everybody, yeah. like, easier than we could before. And then That's nobody's going to really weevil Underwood you. <laughs> yeah, no one's going to throw my cards <laughs> off the ship, which is great. Yeah, Unless Konami does it, you know, <laughs> which they could. Uh, only if they set up, uh, only if they set up uh, uh, login timeframes like Diablo 2 did. Yeah. So right away, I, I linked my account to my phone um, and my computer, so it's double-backed. And, uh, uh, you know, hopefully this is, like, moving forward. Like, hopefully Konami releases some really... Because they have right now... This is kind of the way the Mobile Kingdom Hearts game went, too. Is like, you pulled, and it, originally it was all totally random. You had mm-hmm. 0.6% chance to pull whatever rare car. Eventually they'll come out with more that are like, we'll guarantee this card after five pulls, you know, mm-hmm. or something like that. I'm sure they're going to do stuff like that. So my advice for people, if you're playing games like this, hold 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 yep. hold your money unless there's something you absolutely have to buy hold your money because eventually they're going to be re-releasing cards they're going to be doing better deals they're going to be doing two for ones three for ones they just will i know they will everybody knows they will so hold your gems yep. um but gems are surprisingly easy to get a hold of in this yeah, game i, I was really that. happy with that uh in dual links no Duel Links, like, it was incredibly hard yeah, to get a hold of like gems. Legitimately, 10 minutes of playing, and I had like 3,000 gems, and I was like, holy shit. Yeah. I was, so yeah. I was like, yeah, sure, I'll go, you know, pull some packs. Fuck it. Yeah, that's so I went, 30 I pulled, packs. I pulled 10 of the Duel Master pack, and I actually unlocked four secret packs in the process of doing that. Um, which was nice, but again, like Danny said, like even the secret packs still have like a lot of cards that are offered. So yeah. um, I'll probably be just trying to um, cause there's also, I guess there's a, a card crafting, uh, feature in there. I was looking for that. I couldn't find it. I'll have that to was, look at yeah. It. it had been mentioned to me that you could like craft them or maybe you trade in like the, the dark gems or whatever for, you know, shot at a card or something like that. I'm not sure a hundred percent. I haven't, like I said, I only spent like maybe an hour and a half at the most, um, on their plan. I looked at it under the shop tab, so it might not, that yeah. might not have been the right area to look, but yeah, and I've so, heard that too, which, but uh, yeah. hell yeah. <laughs> if if that's that. the case, like that'll definitely kind of even Help things out and make it a little more worthwhile to have those super broad packs because you can just build cards and another cool thing is too you can just search up a public deck that somebody's made and you can copy that deck so that when you get all the cards for it you just make the deck right away which yeah i get it you're copying somebody's deck um but for me like you know i had really good decks um that i put blood sweat and tears into that all of a sudden i lost and i don't really remember what goes into them yeah you know but I can search a Fluffle deck on that on Duel Master, mm-hmm. and it has ninety nine percent of everything I had in all my old decks. So I'm like, hell yeah! So I copy the deck, and then I just make changes to it if I want, you know. Yeah. And there I have my old deck back. So super cool. I think that they're on the right track. Excited to see what they do with Duel Master going forward. Um, 
for fans like us, we're super pumped about it. I'm excited to just kind of like reduel everybody in our group. Hopefully, we can yep. get our group into it. I I definitely uh, told Nick about it. We should have our Yu-Gi-Oh nights, and we'll all just be on our phones. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> play. They should do Konami. I'm pitching you an idea right now. This is gonna be a sick idea. You all know right, what you Konami, should do, Konami. Up. You should do. They might not because this will. This might like. Because official tournaments have enough weight on their own. Yep. But you should be able to enter a tourney mode where you can make a tournament with your own friends. With, like, brackets and cool. everything. Wouldn't that be cool? That'd like, be a la cool. mele- Melee style. Like, back in Super Smash Bros. Melee, you could do that. You could set up your own little tournament with NPCs. Same thing with Duel Links. You guys should do that. Let us or make Master our Go. own little tournament, you know? Because, like, friend groups like ours, five, six people, make a little mini bracket for each side. That would be sick. Can That'd you imagine? That'd be badass. Yeah. We I'd should be do, about they it. should do that. That'd be about it. <laughs> there you go, Konami. That's a... That's a really good idea. Yep, private tournament idea or I private mean, tournament setting. They do launch the game too with a big ass survey about like what you think of the game, how it is, and I how did fun see it that. is. Uh, they launched it a little too early for my liking. They should I, wait yeah. till you get through the first part of the story and then ask you that. Yeah, it was like as soon as I finished the tutorial, it was like, here, do a survey, and I was like, I haven't played enough to know. Like I was the like, only I thing, don't know. the only thing you're gonna get out of me is that I wish that I could have made the text go faster in the tutorial because I already know how to play. That's what I said too. The text <laughs> need to go faster. Some of the animations are a little bit long. Um, like you asked me before you ran me through the tournament or through the tutorial, whether or not I had played, what my experience level was, stuff like that. Definitely gauge the tutorial based on that. Like if somebody tells you, you know, if you ask them, hey, have you played? And they're like, yes, I even played in a tournament at one point because I did click yeah. that. Yeah. Don't don't be like extra slow text. All right. Now summon a monster. And you you do that by putting it out on well, the field. Like st- I know I know how to summon a monster. You can't skip the tutorials for the like the monarch tutorials, but you can skip the very beginning ones. I didn't realize that till I got on my phone. But yeah, I did. I knew it, like it showed a skip option, but f- I for whatever reason was under the impression that I would not get the reward if I skipped it. That's kind of what I thought too. Uh, when so I did, I did on like the I phone, did the I first like, two, oh, okay. and then the third one, I was like, you know what? I don't even care if I get the reward for that one. I'm done going through these super slow. I hit skip, and it was like, here's your reward, and I was like, uh, God damn it! Yeah, because most of the time when, when <laughs> games have tutorials, they want you to play through them to get those rewards. Usually, yeah. that's how that works. So and it's a little weird that they didn't communicate that. But yeah. Other than that, um, I think the survey is great. That's exactly what you should do. You should be asking your fan base, like, yeah, what did we do right? On what, the what beginning of the release, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, it's only dual dual masters is only like a week old now, I think. Something like that. Yeah, it hasn't been out for very long. Not very long. Um, like I started seeing stuff pop up. I want to say at most I saw stuff popping up like two weeks ago, um, and that was honestly like everything that I was seeing. I was laughing at the the jokes about you know the different types of master dual players. There's like the OG players that used to play Yu Gi Oh like way way back, and they're all confused about Link monsters and all that other shit. And yeah. the people who are you know they were only dual Links players, and they're you know confused about what the hell Main Phase Two is, and yeah. all that. It, it had a whole breakdown. It was actually really entertaining to look at. Um, but I've been seeing a I bunch bet. of reports that like. Pretty much everybody's just dropping dual links like it's you know yesterday's hot garbage for master duel. It is because like, dual links was terrible in my opinion. <laughs> I hated. I hated. I mean, dual it links. was it was entertaining, but it was also like like you said, it was a grind cards. to get the cards that you awful. wanted. It yeah. was really awful. You had to sit there and play these NPCs that had no brains for like an hour to to open a yeah. pack. You know, it, I just yeah. didn't like it. Um Anyway, I, I do want to move on one last time because I do have something. One last little thing. We have about ten minutes. Okay. Um, 
So Dying Light 2 just released, which is I've never played Dying Light and I've never like been a fan of the franchise or whatever. Um, but what I was reading on it was pretty cool. I was reading a review on PC Gamer about it and they did a really good job of, um, I don't know, seeming like a real a real person playing a game. They said they spent 50 hours completing it. So this person spent a good ass time completing this game. And um, uh the reviews online for Dying Light 2 have been kind of right around the 70 or so range, 75. So it's not getting the greatest reviews, which is interesting. But everybody that I've talked to this played it has said that they've had a ton of fun. Um, so Dying Light 2, um, of course, it's plagued by crashes and bugs. You know, that's yeah. kind of the norm nowadays. So the IGN review that I read docked it for that. Mm. I don't even know why we're docking games for that at this point. It's so commonplace that like we might as well just sweep it under the rug. Um, just ignore it. Move on. Honestly, yeah. Um, because it's not. It's not. It's not the intended way the game should be played. So you know, uh, <laughs> everyone's obsessed with kicking enemies off of roofs. So if you know, so Dying Light, I guess, is this sort of open world free roam zombie survival game mm-hmm. um, with you know, a la Mirror's Edge. So very, mm-hmm. very parkoury, uh, very gotcha. free run, but with, you know, with zombie survival and enemies and shit like that. Apparently, like you have like a skill tree and one of the skills is like a drop kick. You can drop kick zombies. And apparently that's everyone's favorite thing to do. The guy in the review was like, was like, oh, I have an important story mission over here to go do. Ah, sorry, you can't do that. I'm busy scaling this building and jumping across rooftops to kick zombies off of roofs, you know, <laughs> which is really cool because it shows that like this game has so much more to it than its story. It has this free roam exploration, lots of things to do in an open world, which is exactly what you should have. Um, so they also had a. They had lots of weapons to choose from. Apparently, you can pick up like bat, of course, like bats and like nail bat, baseball bats and stuff like that, swords or whatever. But uh, apparently, the weapons do degrade and break over time. Although he said that during his playthrough, that the weapons, by the time they were degraded or close to breaking, he would find a new one that was better right around the right time. So it looks like they took attention to detail in terms of like your equipment and like when you need to swap it out. Um, always a good sign when the company does that. I think there's a multiplayer mode. I didn't read much about the multiplayer mode. Um, like I said, parkour is huge in the game. Um, there's like a whole community of people who are just like dedicated to free running in the game, mm-hmm. just jumping across rooftops and scaling buildings, which is awesome. Um, in an interview before the game came out, the developer said that like to complete the game fully, not just the story, but like do everything there is to do, it would take you 500 hours. That's what they approximated. Dang. And considering this dude who wrote the review took 50 to complete the story, I believe it. Yeah. I believe it. That means they crammed a ton of content into this into this game. Um, yeah. You so know, it says not to here, mention setting aside a good hundred of those hours just to kick zombies off rooftops, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Literally. Like, apparently that's the thing to do in this game is to kick zombies and, like... Especially the kicking thing. I don't really get it, but a lot of people just love kicking them off rooftops and stuff. I guess it's super satisfying. I don't know. Yeah. Um, people are weird. Mostly, I just wanted to touch on it because I know of a couple of people who are really excited about it in our friend group and who are going to play it. So I, I can't wait to see what they have to say about it. Um, I had never heard of it before now. So I, I yeah. yeah, me neither, but it, it's super good. Apparently, everybody loves it. Um, uh, and 
it's kind of what you should do in an open world game. It's a good example of no wasted space in an open world game. I mean, I think there are some empty areas, but you know, if your players are diverting from main story to just go up scale a building, jump across rooftops, do timed actions, kick zombies off buildings, I think you're doing something right with an open world because yeah. that's kind of the attraction of an open world game is like being able the to main go and story do should be a side thing that you progress over time. But while you're in an open world, yeah, you do whatever you want. You go and, have you, and you have fun doing it. Yep. It's not just this empty wasteland that you just continue on the main story in. So um, props to them. Sounds like it's going to be a very successful game. Um, don't know why the reviews are so low. But uh, yeah, hopefully everybody's personal experience with Dying Light is going to be really fun. So, you know, listeners, if you play Dying Light 2 at all, let us know what you think. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Um. And that was all I had. That was my last. Uh, that was my last little topic here. And that brings us right at closing time, uh, just about. So unless know, you have anything else, so I know I mentioned Christian bringing up uh, Pokemon Arceus and um, uh, Master Duel. Uh, also this week, I had Algrad bring up that he wanted us to talk about Legends of Vox Machina, um, the uh, uh, Critical Role animated TV oh. show that came out on Amazon. Oh, that's right. Um, I looked it up. I forgot to watch it. I didn't it. have a chance to watch any of it. Um, so I like don't think that I forgot about you, Algrad. I absolutely did not. Um, That'll probably I just, be an episode on its own. Yeah. Like, I just haven't watched it yet. I pulled it up. Maddie's down to watch it, too. So, like, the two of us are going to watch it together. Um, and we're going to check it out. So, okay. Another time. Not this time. We'll this was a very full week, as everyone could tell, because we, like, went <laughs> on these topics. We'll get there, though. Um, but, yeah, Master Duel will get some more love. Um, Danny and I started playing New World together and are probably going to start a, a guild and try to get people, you know, going on that. So, like, that'll definitely come back again. Um, Master Duel is going to come back up. Um uh, Pokemon Arceus will probably come back up. So, lots the, like new or lots of returning subjects for all of you wanting yep. to see specifics. If you've yeah, if you've reached out, um, don't think we've forgotten about you. We haven't. I promise. Um, also, uh, I don't know if you saw, but Josh had emailed us um, not long after the uh, top ten TV shows uh, episode came out. Okay, um, he kind of mentioned, I guess most of the shows that you talked about he was like yes those shows hell yeah and Josh hell yeah my man all of the ones that we didn't share that I mentioned he had no idea what they were so that's what I'm talking about uh, that's, that's, that's what I'm talking about so right you know there, he of course shot a nice little jab at me about how we ever became friends because of how different we are but <laughs> um but then he also uh had asked if we had gotten a chance to play the games that he sent us um, I haven't. I haven't which, gotten to play Ticket to Ride. Nobody wants to play it. <laughs> I, I'd love to play it, um, but I think it takes more than two people to play Ticket to Ride. Um, that's something we definitely need to like try to bring up more with the friend group when we're all together because that's one of those like group games. I believe bring it up with like our our D and D group. They seem more inclined yeah. to play because most of the time when we get right. our other group together, they they mostly want to just talk. Um, yeah, that's but fair. if we get our normal group our gaming group together yeah we, uh, we we like to play board games yeah um, plus we haven't had like a board game night in a while i, I wonder know. if we messaged the magic group i think they'd be interested in the board game night but yeah those i definitely made sure to uh to email him back and like you know i i can't speak for danny but i know for as for myself like i haven't had the ability to mostly because 
Um, if anyone else other than myself and Josh uh, knows Axis and Allies, like that a is a long game. It takes a while for setup. It takes a long time for play. It's a it's a big game. It's a big commitment, and it's really hard to find people that are going to be willing to sit down for that long, that are available to sit down for that long. Um, and with the schedule, like the busy schedule that um, I have and how constantly tabletop space is being utilized, it, it's also really hard for me to actually like leave a game out and come back to it later with people <laughs> um, because of that same fact is that it's just I, I, I constantly am using the table space or, you know, whatever counter space or anything in my house for multiple different things throughout the day, like um, Danny and I use, you know, the table in the studio. And then I also use it if I'm doing any kind of art projects or something, um, you know, any kind of like personal projects because the studio is also kind of like my home office. Um, so like I do work in here pretty regularly. Plus I also game on my PC. Um, like the table that we set up for D and D it gets used for that as a dinner table, as a, you know, it's multi-purpose as well it honestly almost never comes down <laughs> um like there's just not really a space where i can set it and leave it and come back to it so i'd need to have everybody like we'd have to do a, a, at the same a weekend time, so. gaming night or something like that like a lock-in or something to yeah. effectively play that through yeah uh, with a consistent group yep. but i would i would be willing to do so absolutely want to do so um I think other than that, uh, one last announcement and kind of a foreboding shadow um, looming over the podcast soon is um, book fans. If any of you are fans of books, we will be having a book episode coming soon. Uh, more details to follow, but considering when this episode will come out, uh, I I wouldn't be hard-pressed to say that it would be coming out soon uh, from the time that you're hearing this. So um, just... Be aware of that if you are a fan of books or know of anyone that it is. Let them know or get ready for the you know next uh, future couple of casts here. I'm like barely started on that. Um, I have uh, to go. Thing. I'm gonna go buy it today. I have it. So I bought it, but I'm I'm like three pages. I was sitting there last night on my <laughs> bed, like, oh man, what do I do right now? And then I was like, oh, reading that book would be perfect right now because I don't have anything to do. But yeah, um, so yeah. We're excited for what's coming. Anyway, um, mm. other than that, just all the usual announcements, the Twitter, the Instagram, SD Nerdcast, and the Snug Dan Pod are both the handles for both our Twitter and our Instagram. Yep. Please give us a check out. And uh, definitely, in, if you want to message us on there as well, feel free. Um, yep. We monitor all of those, so Kevin and I will both see either one. Yeah, we're and we're both pretty regularly on the email. Um, usually, only one of us will catch it, but like it yeah. does get caught by one of us pretty regularly. So like, yep. we're checking our email pretty constantly. If you've got an email, reach out to us. Like, go ahead, do it. You yeah, want to questions or like, anything? Like, that's the best way to make sure that both of us see it is to send it in an email to us because we both have access to it. Like. Sometimes it'll be, you know, one of us reads it and the other one's just like, hey, did you see that so-and-so emailed us? But like, it's, yeah. you know, it's, that's the way that we have it to where we can both access it pretty regularly or, you know, comment on our question and answer for Spotify. Yeah, that's what I was going to say next. And also, you don't always have to just reply to the question, I think. Uh, I don't know how it works, what it lim what character it limits to you two, but if you have other comments or questions to address like the podcast with... Go ahead and put them down there in that little question and answers thing. I'll make sure to try to add a question to every cast moving forward because it looks like 
it looks like yeah. at least one person's responding to it yeah. so we might as well and honestly so because spotify doesn't allow you to leave any kind of text when you rate it like if you want to answer the q a with just like your basic like rating of the cast maybe we'll do one of the question and answer for one of the casts will just be you know what do you think of the podcast? So that way you can not only leave five stars if you love us or four stars or whatever you think, but you can also then actually give us like a written explanation of how you feel about it. Um, down you know, in a little review for us. We would love to hear any thoughts that you guys have. Yep. Absolutely. We always love to hear ways that we can make the cast better. Things we can talk about, things that we do well, things that we do bad. We always want to improve because we enjoy this and we love putting it out for everybody, but we don't want this to just be about us. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, I think that's it for the night, you guys. Uh, a night for us. Good morning to you all. <laughs> Hopefully you're all getting started on your Monday at work. Hopefully this was a good start. So um, we're going to exit. Thank you, everybody, so much for listening. We really do appreciate it. And um, Kevin and I both hope that you all stay safe, stay happy. But above all else, of course, stay nerdy. We will catch you in the next one. Have a good evening.